Hello and welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is a place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Joe Bauenfreund, Investment Manager of the AVI Japan Opportunity Trust. Joe is Chief Executive Officer and Chief Investment Officer of Asset Value Investors. He's the sole manager of the AVI Global Trust and AVI Japan Opportunity Trust and responsible for all investment decisions across AVI's strategies. Before joining AVI in 2002, Joe worked for six years at a real estate investment organisation in London. He has a Master's in Finance from the London Business School. So let's uh, start from the very beginning. Could you perhaps talk us through the strategy and investment objective for the trust? So we launched the AVI Japan Opportunity Trust in order to um, exploit a situation that existed amongst Japanese small cap companies. And that was um, many Japanese companies uh, are very undervalued. They've got loads of cash on their balance sheet. And for years, they've been undervalued and nobody's cared about them. But recently, there's been a move towards more shareholder activism and encouraging companies to do more about their undervaluations. So we launched AVI Japan Opportunity Trust really to exploit that opportunity. Our objective is to generate capital growth from amongst those, those companies in Japan and really twofold, identify cheap, good quality companies and then work hard engaging with management in order to unlock that value. So um, putting a bit of colour to that, Joe, what are the sort of sector allocations of the trust? Well, the sector is broadly diversified across uh, the Japanese economy. There's, there's no specific or single um, sector target that we have in place. We want to have broad exposure to um, the Japanese economy. There's a tilt towards more domestically biased or focused uh, sectors. Uh, but although there is no um, overt or explicit target in terms of sector allocation, from time to time, Specific industries do throw up opportunities. For example, uh, right now we've got a couple of companies that are exposed to um, software integration. And that's an interesting theme in Japan. Um, You may be surprised to hear that Japan is um, years behind many other countries in the West when it comes to technological capability. And indeed, when the world went into lockdown at the start of COVID in 2020, uh, and we all did very well working from home. Many Japanese companies were unable to continue operating um, from a work from home environment because they simply didn't have uh, the technological capability to do so. So there's been a push um, from the government actually to encourage companies to invest more into technological capability. And uh, that's certainly a theme that we're playing within the portfolio, or one of the themes I should say we're playing. Is there any particular reason for that, Joe? That is indeed, as you say, surprising, especially when we think of Japan as the land of robotics and uh, the, you know, the, the neon signs and, and so on. Yeah, it, it is an interesting question. Um, they, they did have, again, up until very recently, this very archaic um, stamping system whereby all formal documents had to be stamped with a physical stamp. And uh, having people in the office was very much part of the culture. And, um, you know, I guess people live in very small homes very often in Japan. They didn't have the ability really to have um, a work from home. And it's just probably just been an area that they've underinvested in and haven't, haven't thought. They like, they like paper. So faxes are very popular and they haven't just moved with the times. 
But yes, you're right. You know, it is fascinating when you think about how advanced they are in some respects. And robotics is a classic example. So could you possibly talk us through a, a couple of your top holdings or positions at the moment? Well, I'll mention a couple. Um, one that's been in the portfolio since we launched in October 2018 is a company called Fujitech. Uh, Fujitech is one of the top 10 global elevator and escalator businesses, but it's a lot smaller than some of the other companies um, people may be familiar with, such as Otis, or Kone, or Schindler. Uh, but it is a, a major player. And, um, you know, we like this company because the escalator and elevator business is a good quality business. The revenues that companies earn from maintenance and upgrade contracts is very resilient and provides long-term visibility. And that's the reason why the industry as a whole has attracted a lot of um, capital from private equity players. Fujitech was a lot cheaper than its global peers. Um, and the reasons behind that cheapness were that it had too much cash on its balance sheet and it had poor quality corporate governance, all the things we look for in Japan. And it's been a very successful investment because we've engaged proactively and constructively with the management uh, of Fujitech and we've encouraged them to make improvements on all of those fronts. And uh, it's still a big investment for us, but it's become a lot less undervalued relative to its global peers uh, throughout our ownership. And the second example, again, is a very interesting company. It's called Wacom. Um, And Wacom is the the world leader when it comes to um, graphic uh, pens. So pens that you might use on your smartphone or your iPad, or if you were an engineer at Disney working on animation films, you'd use, you know, you'd use a Wacom product. And uh, as I say, it's got a 60% market share. So it's a, it's a growing business with a dominant market position. And it's just, again, too much cash on the balance sheet, uh, lack of clear, concise communication to the market, so lack of research, and it's not so well understood by investors. And so it trades at a cheap, cheap valuation relative to where it should be. And we are um, working closely with management there, encouraging them to put in place certain initiatives to help the market uh, value the company more appropriately. Did 2020 give you the opportunity to add new names to the portfolio based on market price weaknesses? Absolutely, it did. Um, You know, the key to understanding what um, we're about in terms of AVI Japan Opportunity Trust is we're identifying inefficiencies in a market that it itself is quite inefficient. And those inefficiencies arise for a number of different reasons. But one of the key reasons is the fact that there is so little research written about small cap Japanese companies. And what that means is that when you do get times of market panic and times of distress, share price moves moves can become exaggerated, often exaggerated to the downside. And that throws up opportunities for us. So we had the ability to um, increase debt within the trust as the market was falling to draw down on the debt facilities we had available to us and to exploit some of the extreme price moves uh, that occurred during the time and to build up uh, a foundation of companies that benefited as the markets recovered in the following months. So after after that uh, spending spree, uh, presumably... Um, I was going to ask you whether Japan as a region provides opportunities which are either rare or simply cannot be found elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, amongst this small cap universe of Japanese companies, 
We're buying businesses that are growing sales and profits uh, in a fairly resilient manner at valuation multiples that you simply can't find elsewhere in, in the developed world. Um, the average EV EBIT multiple that our companies trade at is around five or six times, which is remarkably low. And on top of that, uh, our companies have on average almost 50% of their market cap sitting in net surplus cash. So very, very strong balance sheets. Um, all our companies were able to weather the COVID storm without needing to ask the government for any handouts, or without going to banks uh, to borrow money, and indeed without laying off any staff because they had the, uh, the balance sheet in order to, to, to withstand that. So yeah, Japan small cap uh, universe remains a, a very underappreciated segment of the market with valuations that, yeah, you simply are, are unique and can't be found elsewhere. And why do you think, I mean, obviously, given your expertise uh, in that region, why do you think uh, Japan has effectively been lagging, both in terms of um, not only research, but also market efficiency? Well, the market over the last 12 years or so has really been focused on a few specific areas. It's been focused on the US, it's been focused on China, and within that, it's been focused on growth companies, um, whether it's technology or, or biotech and, and the like. And on top of that, there's been a big move towards the largest, most liquid companies. We've had a boom in passives and ETFs. And all of that has meant that smaller companies and smaller markets have become less, less relevant to people, less relevant to investors, and less, less focused upon. And that's really what creates the inefficiency. And so after 12 years, we're now going through a period of um, shift and we're seeing some corrections in, in those areas that have done particularly well. And perhaps now it's becoming more of a stock selection market. Investors are becoming more discerning and are beginning to look at areas of the world that, that perhaps look cheaper than others and look more interesting from a valuation perspective. But certainly over the last 12 years, uh, Japan has become increasingly less relevant uh, in terms of portfolios. It's become a smaller feature of the MSCI World Index and, uh, and consequently, less people are looking there. And that means that you get the greatest inefficiencies and the greatest opportunities. I noticed from your, your sector breakdown, there, there doesn't seem to be much um, exposure to financials. Is that because the financials in Japan are generally um, out of your reach in terms of being rather larger companies? Well, the, it's interesting that um, there are a number of small regional banks in Japan, and they are quite interesting from a balance sheet perspective in that they tend to own securities of successful Japanese companies in their regions. For example, there's one called Bank of Kyoto that owns a large stake in Nintendo. Nintendo comes from, from that part of the world. Um, and they do look cheap on, um, from a balance sheet perspective. But as businesses, banks in Japan, both small banks and large banks, have struggled over the last 30 years uh, in an environment where interest rates have been very low and companies have got lots of, lots of cash on their balance sheet, and so therefore the demand for borrowing has been very limited. And on the consumer front, uh, Japanese consumers were scarred from the, the crash that they went through in 89-90 and have wanted to build up personal balance sheets rather than borrow money to speculatively buy houses and flats and things like that. 
So it hasn't been a great business uh, financials, and so therefore we see better opportunities from a fundamental earnings perspective in other industries in Japan. And, and given that backdrop, at what does sound like quite a, an exciting time in Japan, um, if, if nothing else, from a catch-up perspective. What, what's your kind of outlook from here in your space and, and how are you positioned? So our outlook here is very positive. Um, as I said earlier, we're finding a good number of, of companies where we're seeing strong prospects and continuing strong performance on the operating front. So companies are growing their profits year in, year out. So that's a good starting point. On the valuation side of things, as I said, we're finding companies that are trading at valuations that make no sense, that are very cheap, certainly um, compared to other markets, but in absolute terms as well, very, very low multiples. And on top of that, there's been a move over the last four or five years in Japan towards more shareholder engagement. And we're at the forefront of that as one of the um, well-known shareholder activists or constructive activists in Japan. And that means that we're working in a constructive manner with management of those companies to try and get their share prices up and to try and reverse those undervaluations that we're seeing. So all of that really adds up to um, a rich opportunity set for us. Uh, it's quite a lot of work um, being a, a constructive activist. And so we have a limited number of companies in our portfolio, typically around 20 or 25, so it's quite concentrated. But what it means is that when we do have successes and we do find uh, companies that are that are cheap and we benefit from the re-rating, it moves the needle in terms of our own NAV performance and uh, shareholders benefit from that. And finally, Joe, we've also touched on governance and, and your ability to uh, potentially move the dial by talking to the companies themselves. Is the ESG mantra something which is a thing in Japan? It's definitely um, growing as a theme in Japan and companies we are finding are increasingly interested in hearing our views on ESG. And it's certainly one area, one of the areas that we do focus on in our engagement with companies. So certainly the G, the governance side, has been a, a very important feature for the last four or five years since the Corporate Governance Code and Stewardship Code were, were introduced in Japan when Prime Minister Abe came into power. And that's obviously a core element of uh, our own approach. But over the last year or so, we've started to see an increased focus on the E and the S side of things. And um, as part of our regular engagement with companies, we bring up each of those each of those E, S and G with companies. Well, that's a fascinating region. And, and thanks very much again for your time, Joe, and indeed for those valuable insights. And thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And of course, you can find much more, by the way, of investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back soon with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now.